Hi, and welcome to Data Futurology, the podcast where we dive deeply into the lives, the stories, the mistakes and lessons learned of top industry leaders in the data science field today. With them, we discuss leadership, strategy, team building, stakeholder management, delivering value, and much, much, much more. My name is Felipe Flores. I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're having a wonderful week. This week, we're speaking with Sveta Friedman. She's based in Melbourne, Australia, and she's the Director of Data Analytics and Data Science at carsales.com.au. This company, carsales.com.au, is seen as one of the digital leaders in Australia. Sveta has an extremely interesting background, which she tells us about where she came from, different, she's worked in different countries, and she's been in Australia for a number of years, getting extremely interesting and valuable experience. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Sveta. And if you do, I'll please ask you if you can share the episode, share the podcast with one friend, tell them to tune in and learn from Sveta and some of the other leaders that we've been interviewing. I hope you enjoy the show. Here's a conversation with Sveta. Hi, this is Felipe. Today, I'm speaking with Sveta. Sveta, thank you so much for making the time. Great to have you on the show. How are you going? Thanks, uh, Felipe, for inviting me and be part of uh, the program. I'm actually honored uh, that you actually invited me to talk. Hopefully, some of the interesting topics we will touch today. Definitely. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. So thank you so mm-hmm. much. Tell me, how did you get started in the data space? What was it that drew you in? I think I was always mathematical. It's always one of my favorite subjects. And when it came to a decision going to medicine and uh, into the data, thought about blood, <laughs> probably not my cup of tea. And I said, yeah, I can think I can go into the data numbers as a look, something I can definitely do well. And so I decided to go and learn statistics and mathematics as a subject. Previously, and the reason why it's actually also came through is because my background actually came from Israel and I was in army and I was in the business intelligence unit. And so, in the army, in in the army. Business intelligence unit. yes, wow, it was not a type of business intelligence unit that you guys think like, um, but it was actually looking at lots of data and information and getting insightful. And that probably was my first taste of what's, how do you use information? And I didn't really even chosen to be in that unit. It was basically based on some of the tests that you do at the age of 16. Oh. Yes. What, how old were you when you studied in the army? In Israel, it's mandatory. So when you're 18, you have to go to the army. So I finished my high school, and after one month, I was bang in the army. So that was probably a beautiful thing because you had to learn a lot of things very quickly and probably grow up as well. But to explain to you guys and to you, Philippe, it's not like you actually go there and you don't see your family. Because Israel is quite small, you are going outside and you actually go for weekends and see your family. So it's not like in the movies where you go and you don't see your family for three years, something like that. But I think it was really, really insightful for me because it was different framework. I didn't see my parents anymore and I had to know a lot of things. Some of them was not really exciting stuff, but I had to do all of them. And that probably was my first round of being a grown-up and doing something that responsible. Exactly. Yeah. Because you had to produce results. You yes. had to be delivering. 
And I think you realize it's uh, whatever you do, there is meaning to that. And it's not like you can say, oh, yeah, that's happened, whatever. No, whatever you provide, people do actually use that. And it can be very strategic or you can do lots of things that actually will save people life. Yes. So the, the type of analysis that you were doing then, was it around intelligence, like strategic intelligence, or was it around improving the operations of the army? What was the main topic? I cannot tell much because yes, it's okay. still a, it's a closed union. But I done a few things. I was touching different type of things. I was touching also strategic, collecting the data. But it also was how do I take the data from different places and sources, and the data can be in different shapes and make sense of it. So the main thing was is trying to find trends or sense from the data, and that I think is the first time where I realized that I actually can do this kind of work before that it's like yeah i'm good at data math sounds good but i'm also good in biology and chemistry so i think that was probably my first taste of it and did you have another job in the army beforehand no i actually went straight into that unit and I was very lucky. I didn't know, but it apparently was one of the hardest units to get in. And it was not really, I did not really realize how lucky I was till I actually got into because there were a lot of smart people there. So it was quite insightful to be with these people and learning with them how to do things. And if you think about when you're 18 and all the other, a lot of them also 18, we all sit in the same room and we have to work together to make sure that whatever we do is actually reliable, actually useful, and actually to know where is there is an alarm and you should actually say, oh, look, this trend is really, really concerning. Or when it's, ah, yeah, it's in the fluctuation or that's something we can skip. That's something that you had to know pretty quickly. Wow. And that sense of knowing where the issue appears and where there's no issue, that's something that only takes the time sometimes to, to learn. And that's what I had to learn very quick. Wow. And how did you do that? Yeah, how did you learn that skill of being able to pick when it was important enough to raise and when it wasn't? So I think that because of uh, I always liked mathematics and uh, statistics, it's always me was sitting and trying to take the data and make sense of it and understanding the trends. So usually hugely believe of historical data sets. And if you have the historical trends, you do use that for your future prediction. And so that was one of the main points for me. And I think without even realizing that the first thing I was trying to do, okay, so how do I say is it's noise, not a noise? So what was in the past? So the first question of how it was in the past. So from there is I start to learn how to do that. But I, I should mention I had also guys and mentors there as well who did actually go and explain to me and were with me. It's not like I had to do everything by myself, but it was pretty good learning experience. That's incredible. How long were you there for? Two years. And in the in the business intelligence unit the whole time. Almost the whole time. Incredible, yeah. incredible. Yeah. And can you give us a, an overview of your career since then until now? What what's happened? So you guys, probably you hear my Russian accent. So I probably will tell that I actually Russian, but I'm not Russian. And as I mentioned, I lived many years in Israel. My parents moved and immigrated to Israel when I was a child from Belarus due to Chernobyl disaster. And uh, from there, my parents and my family, I can see the path that a lot of them actually have mathematical background as well. So I think reality is uh, without even realizing most of my family has that as well just probably helped me because always playing chess always thinking about logical things 
And uh, as an immigrant is also coming to Israel, when you don't know the language, what the easiest subjects that you can take is math, because you don't need to understand a lot. You just need to understand what some of that and trying to find the logic, what the answers are. That's and so true. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what probably helped me, because I remember myself 12, coming to the class, and I don't really understand any, I don't know Hebrew, I don't understand what the, the teacher is saying, and uh, the only subject that was uh, really was exciting for me then is was math, because, I, oh, that's when I definitely was able to pass. I logically, I was able to find the answers. And uh, so I finished the um, high school, army, and uni. Um, I went to, to learn statistics and mathematics and economics. After that, I actually done a bit of consultancy, statistical consultancy. And that was really good exposure because statistics is everywhere. And you can do statistics for biostatistics and you can do for business. Now I'm focusing on the business side of things, but then I actually done biostatistics. This was really, really interesting because it's actually very different. You have to be really accurate. It's not about getting, you know, to that, uh, you know, 95% prediction. <laughs> you cannot really make lots of mistakes. So this was really awesome experience for me to have. And from there, I actually moved very quickly to working in Israeli startups. And that's probably where I actually gain a lot of commercial experience in the data analytics and data science and data engineering. And when you go into the startup what happens is sometimes you have to wear a lot of hats and you have to be data engineer you have to be data science you have to be data analyst and you have to be a lot of things in one and i think that's really helped me because it's not was like focused on here is a task try to solve one task they give you here is a problem try to solve that problem and sometimes you need to solve the problem by actually understanding who you need and how do you do that and it was really good experience because I had to know really quickly a lot of things. What the infrastructure is, how do I use the infrastructure best for my insights, and how do I gain that really quickly? Who do I need to work with in the teams? And so I initially worked with one team and then I had to move to another team. The realization is, okay, I need to work with the developers because they know data, operational database. Oh, yeah, and I need a product team because they actually understand the product. You cannot just extract the data because you need to understand what this data tells you. And then, oh, you need to talk to that person because that person probably knows what happened three years ago. Because in startups, there is a disadvantage. A lot of that you don't really, it's not written, no documentation. Because they're growing so fast, so sometimes, oh, let's keep this fast, let's just do whatever it is, to, you know, to, in order to grow. So you have to learn a lot of things in once. And I love that because it was very dynamic and I was hungry to learn a lot of things as well. So that was really, really good experience. And then myself and my partner, we decided to move to Australia. And it was really, really interesting move because we both already, we've been immigrants in Israel in some way or form. So we knew how hard it is to actually be an immigrant. It's very hard. But we also knew that we want to try a new country. And we thought Australia is awesome because it's far. It's far <laughs> from everywhere. And the other thing that we saw is oh, we will come to Australia and it's going to be warm and nice like in Israel. I probably made a mistake by going to Melbourne because, uh, you know, when you go to Australia, you always think, oh, it's sun and beach and uh, everything is like looks surfing. nice. <laughs> surfing. And you come into Melbourne and say, oh, it looks really cold. Penguins there in the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
uh, that was probably one of the mistakes. But to be honest, I love Melbourne now. I think it's the best city to live. But yes, probably the weather is a bit more mistake from my end. But it's the best city to be. Uh, love the coziness of the city as well. So we came here and I basically, both of us said we're going to be open mind. Of course, coming from startup and the drive in India, like knowing all the new technology was really like, oh yeah, we'll come here and we'll have the same experience. And then realization, because there is not many startups here and there is like, you know, you have to know a lot of things. So I said, I will switch and try myself. So I tried to work in the health organization, which was really good experience for me because that's never experienced that and realization of how much you need to learn as well. Like I had to learn a lot of things, but I knew that I'm missing the drive. The drive was actually going and being in the, one of the startups and being online, digital, knowing that. And then I joined Invato. So it was really great because uh, Invato was in the stage of startup. And uh, they were looking to develop their data analytics and data science capability. They didn't know much what they actually want, but all the co-founders are actually really mathematical. And so they use data a lot. And you can see they used a lot of data, but they didn't know what they actually want. And I remember my first interview was four hours with them. I think afterwards, uh, HR team said to them, don't do that ever again. (laughs) But I actually enjoyed it because it was quite good because you realize the type of questions they ask because they actually by themselves didn't know what they were looking for, but then using the needed data, which is really awesome. So after me joining there, I had to start to build everything from scratch. How old was the company at the time? As the company at the time was six years old. So it was growing really, really fast. It was doing a lot of interesting things. But when you're growing really fast, sometimes you miss some of the data. And, you know, when you're talking about difference between Israel startup and sometimes Australian companies, Israeli startups, a lot of them involve data from day one. They hire data people from day one. They understand the importance of the data. And I see in, even now I have lots of friends there and I can see the startup is developed. There's probably three or four people, developers, and then there's someone that comes in terms of the data, data person. Oh, that's so interesting because I've seen more around the case that you're describing with the Australian startups where unless it's a data science startup or an AI startup, Unless, obviously, they're the yeah. exception because they definitely have data from day one. Yeah. But otherwise, I have seen it more regularly that they start without data, that it comes in yeah. years later. Yes. Um, so the startups that you were working with in, in Israel, how old were the companies when you joined and when did they start using data? So some of them I joined, they already were even 10 years, but some that were 10 years already had 30 or 40 people and they already had data warehouse developed. And they already was thinking about the next steps. How do you do everything? You know, lifetime value retention always developed from day one of thinking. And so I was very lucky to get that. Reality is, I think it comes on an understanding of how data was important from day one. And I think it comes on CEOs yes, sometimes. Yeah. CEOs and founders yeah, as well. And I think that from what I noticed so far, that in Australia, the trend is improving, but it takes a time. So who you hire the first, you hire developers first. You hire probably sometimes even a marketing team first. You hire customer service first, but you don't really invest in the data because I think, and maybe I'm wrong, sometimes we think that data can be generated by developers. It's not the case. 
So I think that probably is uh, something, uh, yeah, was a learning curve for me because I'm used to data where data is important from day one. And when you come into your organization, you realize, okay, the data was not important from day one. <laughs> you have to go and now, okay, I have to clean this data. Oh, we have not captured this. Oh, that's important. <laughs> And, oh, we need this. Oh, no, we have not, we don't have that here. So a lot of things that you start to invest and you start to understand, okay, this is what we need first and this is what I'm going to invest as well. I really enjoyed working in Vata. It was a really great company, really growing fast. So was, I think one of probably my challenges was then is was hiring. Two reasons. First, when in Vata then, when I, was, when I joined then, was not as known as it's known now. And it's a startup, so not a lot of people know about the company. And then are trying to find the right resources. You think about the combination of two, it quite can be challenging. Even through the phase that one stage um, co-founders offered me, they want to bring people from different countries. I said, really, I want to try to bring people from here in Australia because I think it's important for us to invest in, in our in Australian market. So that was one of my biggest challenges. So why did you have that view of wanting to develop the local market, which is obviously a great view, but it's interesting. Why did you have that view, especially like coming from overseas? Yeah, I think that if I'm committed to live in Australia, and I am, and with my plan, we are committed to be here. I think that we need to invest into local talent. So, yes, I can solve probably some problems, but I also realized, you know, just bring people from overseas, you create another challenges, challenges of the culture, because you can be a great data scientist, but when it comes to culture and managing the culture aspect, it's something that you have to know. It's very different. Language barriers as well. And I think in combination of that and also taking time just to bring someone is also going to be, it's, it's a family. You have to consider all the aspects or you start saying, oh, it's, if it's not going to be family, then you need to bring a lot of more junior staff. And then you realize, so if I'm going to focus on bringing a junior staff, why wouldn't I invest it's here? Because isn't it, it's much easier to get people here. And realization was then, uh, why it was a bit harder because there was still um, unis only then only started to develop data science and analytical programs. So that's what took a bit while. So now I can see I can see more trend where you can see students or graduates and that are finishing data science or business analytics. I would love probably also to invest into the data engineering side. I still haven't seen uh, lots of programs in the new unions that invest into that area. So true, so <laughs> true. And, and we were talking about it before we started recording that we're at the moment we're both looking to hire data engineers and at least I'm finding it difficult to find good data engineers. And I completely agree. I would love to have, to see that in the university programs as one of the focuses. I mean, yeah. Australia at the moment needs so much data engineering coming for yeah. I totally agree with you because completely a lot of times I hear like people saying, oh, I just want to do data science and it sounds really nice, sexy, all the data science stuff that you people hear about. But I can tell you one thing and I'm sure you know, you experience the same thing is without data engineer, you cannot do great data science or data analysis. Regardless how you call it, what the label is, data engineers are important. Without them, they build with you the infrastructure. And I think that's a piece that's been missing 
in a lot of organization, I start to notice where they invest into the data science. They say, ah, we want to bring data science. Oh, we want because we think the data science will unlock all our, <laughs> our, our insights. But what they forget that it's not just, yes, they can do that, but with the right infrastructure, with the right data, with the right tools. And guess what? Yes, they can do that, but it's going to take them long, long time to develop something that data engineers can help them. Reality is that every person is good at what they do. And instead of, you know, trying to solve like cleaning process and processing process all the time, the data scientist, whatever the value that you're going to get is going to be minimal if you don't have the data engineering platform sitting with you. So true. Tell me, how did you solve the talent or the hiring difficulties at Invato? Because at the time, I remember as well, at least when I was trying to, I had a a startup probably about the same time because startups at the time weren't cool. Like they were sort of the thing to do. And it was was difficult to get talent into unknown companies. And obviously looking for specialist skill set is tough anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, How did you solve that problem? So first, what I've done is I uh, basically mapped the companies and market in Australia and said, this is probably, uh, you know, type of companies I think that will have the talent I would be looking for. And I knew that they probably would not know everything, but I would be trying to convince them that the reason why they should join because I'm going to do some cool stuff and they will have a chance to learn. So what I was trying to say is I would, was looking for a core skills and people who are hungry to learn new technologies. Because I think that if you have that core skills and if you are interested to learn and develop yourself, you probably it will do the trick. I knew from day one that I probably would not able to find, you know, the perfect candidates. And I said to myself, I don't actually need that. What I need is the right people with the right attitude and have the core skills in, in the data. And if they're willing to learn new technologies, new stacks or new methodologies, that would do for me a trick. And it's what hard because I will say to you, even, you know, thinking about the data engineers team, I had people when I say, was saying to them, we're going to use a specific tools said, no, 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 no. Been using Microsoft. I don't want to move from Microsoft. I love Oracle. I don't want to move from Oracle. And that was really hard because you had to find people that actually willing to learn new technologies and who knew it, taking them from their comfort zone. So that was the first couple of finding them was hard, but then it started to be easier because I noticed that people were were like hearing about new technologies, cloud, and we already were using cloud. And I think that helped a lot. And then Invato started to grow as well. It was much more known company because then before, actually, when I was there, I had to explain Invato, it's not a small company. It's not 10 people. It's not like tomorrow it's going to disappear. I had to go and explain it's quite a big company, has a, um, a substantial revenue. And yeah, we're not going to disappear tomorrow because if you know, you don't know the company, you have never heard about them. It was actually a pitch to convince to come to the yes, company. Correct. That's so true. You're pitching them. <laughs> yes. To say, come and work here. So that was an exercise, uh, convincing uh, people to do that. So that was quite challenging. But with the time, I realized here is where the companies I want to invest. And that helped me a lot. 
basically and again it probably helps because if you think mathematically or think strategically with the data science what you do is okay how do i logically get into the face what i need so first of all mapping how do i map that so where is the company so creating that spreadsheet of insights what i'm looking for and working with recruiters to actually understand me what i'm saying because sometimes when you're saying oh i'm looking for a person that knows specific tool actually it's not just tool i'm looking for a person who thinks have the way how they approach stuff is very different to what everyone else like for example i don't i would not be looking for someone who wants to do the same type of task all the time i need someone that always wants to improve if there is the same type of task why is it appearing because can we automate it that's an example so that's a type of uh, challenges which i had and it was really nice and then i decided to move to carcels and sorry just one question about the hiring two questions actually first one is around the, the type of mindset that you wanted the people you were hiring did you have any tests during the interview that specifically tested any aspects yes i did i had technical type of questions yes. they usually ask and i usually don't ask sophisticated build me a model as does prediction of x y z and use this algorithm what i'm usually is doing is asking question and giving a business problem or data sets and i want to see how people react to that and the reason why i'm doing that is not because uh, i mean because some of the data sets and even the analytical task is quite easy if you know the data so what i'm trying to see is how this person is what the approach person would do it's going to ask me questions is he's going to make he or she will actually do assumptions on the data sets as they're going to come and say i could not solve it because i just don't know the data set i'm thinking provide insight there is different type of people so i was trying to get how they reacting into the task so with the task there was that's already was built in in a way how wanted to see people reacting to yes. that and from there it already gave me a good uh, filter on a candidate who i want to progress with and then of course i had a lot of questions about how people react when there is a lot of things not documented yes. or it's working is going so fast how do you actually understand what's the next step to do and i think that a lot of people say is like challenges and they like really fast environment and they like changes reality we like changes <laughs> but we like changes that i actually control about changes at least most of us <laughs> i'm sure there is people who say that's not true and yet but reality is that also is part of uh, looking at the profiles people because if a person doesn't like changes and it's fast and it's what what whatever was yesterday it can be irrelevant in three or four days and you have to adapt it so adaptation and your way of thinking is going to be very important as well so true and it's difficult for people once they they develop something they build something and sometimes it needs to be thrown out and superseded and people get to their work and that stops them from iterating and developing. Yeah. So that's really great that you were looking for that so early on. The other question that I had was we were talking about the startup being unknown or mm -hmm. having low awareness in the market. It wasn't cool to go work in startups. It was using cloud before a lot of people were using cloud, so it was out of the comfort zone. Therefore, a lot of people that, that would be looking to join would look at their leader. So what was the conversations about you what were they wanting to know about you because 
you know how they yeah. say that you know people when they move jobs like they leave their manager uh, yeah. because yeah. obviously manager is so important and, and you coming up through your careers at any point but definitely in the early days you do need to find great leaders what did they want to know about you what do you think gave them confidence certainty that it was a good place to join because it would be having the interaction with you so yeah. I think that probably what probably helped is uh, that I actually worked in previous startups and I was giving them the background that I've done it before. And so I know what I'm doing. And also because I definitely understand not just data science, because a lot of times when you look, and for me, I was building a team multifunction. So this was digital platform, analytical digital platform. I had to do that. I actually had to do data platform and data analytics and data science. So there was a lot of different areas to cover. And I had to go and explain that I've done all of it and I know what I'm looking for. And there is also a support that comes from the business. And I know how to convince the business that there is a value in what we are doing. So that was a type of thing that probably was helping to reassure people that when they are joining, A, I know what the vision is, and B is I know what the next step would look like. And C is that the co-founders would not say, oh, that is, we can skip this part. We just need more just developers, or we just need more marketing team, or we just need more this type of people actually ensuring that it is important. And I'm lucky because I worked with the co-founders and they actually was some of them were in part of the interviews with me. So that actually was helping. That was really helpful because A, they start to realize some of the challenges I had in terms of hiring. And B is also because it was a co-founder, it felt like, oh, they're taking it serious. They're not really just, um, you know, someone who came and started to build it. Actually, co-founder is there. And that probably was very, very helpful. So that was probably one is explaining that, yeah, it will work. Don't worry. And B is, you know, having that support that was reassuring all the time. Yes, we know what we are doing. That. Awesome. Really good. So then you came to Carsets. Yes. How has that been? It's been great. It's a great journey to have because it's quite different. Someone who's done startups, Carcels in some ways behaves like a startup, but it's a mature company with 20 years. And I think, you know, sometimes you have, you come with expectations and we have a lot of data, but we need to create maturity in the data. So currently is, you know, if you want to ask me what my challenges is, is creating analytics maturity because surprisingly that's something that is taking a while. Cars is really great in terms of creating the data. When it comes to maturity and understanding the data, that's been a journey. That's been a journey, and I'm taking uh, everyone into that journey, and we're building great stuff. But, of course, it's not a startup, so it's a lot of things, whatever I, ha I was able to do really quickly, sometimes going to take a bit more time because it's not, uh, you know, 20, 30, 50, or 60 people company. It's a bigger company. Yes, and also it's been running for long term. Yes, and uh, there is legacy systems. There is a, a lot of different things that you have to consider. It's not you can say, "Oh, I'm building from scratch," so you already have dependencies, a lot of dependencies. And when you're doing that, okay, you have to consider the dependencies, legacies. How do you do that? But we are lucky because I willing to do the changes. And there is the aspect of innovations that are happening all the time. One thing is having the legacies, but the second thing is, how do you involve in actually solving the problems? I think that the challenges sometimes are that to change and solve the problems takes a while. And uh, that definitely is quite a challenge because you want to show the wins, but the wins can may happen in relatively, it will take you 
quite a long time to show that. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges so far to show that, yes, it's the right journey, but it's going to take us a while to get to be on the top of the top of maturity. Make that change. Yes. How long have you been working here now? Three years. And how were things right at the start? And what did you do first and then second? Can you walk us through that journey? So first thing that uh, was for me, one of my problems was to solve was web data platform, basically web analytical capability. So in order to do that, we used here one provider. And so the data was um, in a big mess. People did not trust the data so the first thing i actually started to ask question okay who is using that how many times what the dependencies and then implementing new technology and that was touching basically every aspect of the site because web data is actually going and doing all the tracking so that was one of the biggest projects that I had to try to solve quickly. Given the fact that I worked in digital companies before, so for me, naturally, I always imagine I want to use digital data with transactional data. I could not see myself only using transactional data or just an aggregated or black box of digital data. So this was quite a big problem to solve because so that was doing that. So I've done that piece. And then... And sorry, and was there a data repository that existed, a data warehouse? Yeah, so I will touch on that as okay, well. Yeah, I'll touch on that as well. The other aspect that I had to solve was to use visualization tool and have something visual. So we actually have here, we had data warehouse, was existing data warehouse, and uh, we were moving into AWS, but all the other businesses. And what I'm saying businesses, I'm, we here is microservices, castles. So all the other different parts were moving to AWS, except data warehouse. Because, except. <laughs> except. <laughs> and the reason was because except, it's not because, by the way, the CIO and CTO, he came and said to me, you have to move it. But it was challenged because there was a lot of things that were dependency on, and we had to solve a lot of problems before doing that. It was not just, let me take it from uh, point A to point B. It was trying to understand, how do I do that? that it's not going to break anything underneath. So that was one of the challenges that I had to solve as well. So I solved that problem as well. So we moved from premises to cloud. And then now, they're also now we are looking into how do we move all our data sets and everything into integrated data warehouse. So we're using different type of forms as well. But as I mentioned, I actually had to also solve some of the visibility on some of our reporting. So one of uh, other projects I had to go is implement here data realization tool. We use here Tableau. So that was a really good exercise. And I was very lucky. People do like it here. And I think, how can I check it? Because I can see who's using that. Yes. That's, that's probably telling me who's using that word. And I think that's quite powerful because that gives me a story to tell. And other challenge, one of the biggest challenges is actually taking some of the data and getting insights from this. So I had to bring here data analytics and data science team. So that's what I've been trying to build, focusing on that. And the next is and one of the things I'm doing is maturity and building that. But also I'm currently is focusing on creating single customer point of choice projects. So that is my next project is going to be my baby, in yes. which I'm going to invest in creating something that's going to be cool and we can use it for different purposes. So that's where, why I need data engineers. Of course, of <laughs> course. Wow, that's um, super. It's a huge problem, a, a huge problem to tackle, but obviously so important. That's excellent. Excellent that you're going for it. Tell me, how did you solve 
the trust issue. So you said there used to be low trust on the data. And obviously, when data is a mess, when it's not standardized, not in a central location, difficult mm-hmm. to access, multiple people are trying to get a handle and getting to different results, different numbers, I'm sure that some of those and maybe more factors led to the mistrust or the mm-hmm. low levels of trust in data. How did you turn that around? So first of all, when I actually changed the platforms of web, what I did is I actually created a report. I knew that I had to do something drastically. And when I say drastically, I mean I had to make sure that that is accurate. And when it comes to web analytics, it can be accurate but not accurate as I'm going to call in finance and provide that data set to finance. It's not. It's not designed for that. It's designed to create trends. So one of my implementations strategically was implement that some of the data server side to make sure that that is most accurate as possible. And then I created also reports to show here is what it shows in the database and here's what it shows in web analytics platform and what the difference is. And so on that the accuracy was quite good. And I said, look, if the tolerance for me would be 5% and we are less than that that's really awesome result that was the target so actually created lots of report to monitor our accuracy in the web analytics and i think that helped a lot because uh, the other things that would i also tried is when i create the report or the metric and we use here a very important metrics what i discovered that there was inconsistency between the teams so the first thing is what I try to make sure. What the report people use so far and they think that it's actually accurate, understand the logic behind it, and if creating report and create actually agrees that this is the logic we use moving forward. And if anyone else who needs to create reports, because you know there is different teams, operations, we make sure that they use the same logic as what I use. And there is one point of us going and utilizing. When we look at the data, we look the same way in terms of when they report on specific metrics. I think that was important because sometimes people say, oh, the data is inconsistent. It means it was your problem. But it's how you query the data can change what the result is. And it doesn't mean it's not inaccurate. It means what you've done for that purpose was maybe is right. What the business used to see is important. So align that and making sure that whatever data you show is actually in line with some of the metrics they know, as they've seen so far. And then you can say, oh, yes, actually, there is a difference, but this is the reason why there is a difference. Explaining the difference is important. I will give you an example that I had I was building one of my projects previously, not at Carcels. I built a project the reconciliation. The CFO came and uh, I think there was a difference of 10 or $15. And yeah. in talking about millions of what is a $15, it's not really a big number anymore. It's a zero, 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 something like that. And um, the data analyst who was working with me, he was very upset and said, why is she asking me about the $15? It's like so really, why is it important? On the skin series, it's very accurate. And I said, she's interesting to understand the reasons how we develop the report rather than the difference. I think that's what was important because understanding why is it happening is quite important because if you can explain that you can explain yes maybe there is a difference but this is the reasons why and it's not because if the report is not accurate but the ability to explain how to do derive to that is going to be important yes. make sure that it's auditable that you can open it up and explain it possible point yeah. and what's your team structure at the moment what type of teams do you have and, and yeah. what are their focuses 
So my focus in the team is currently is going to be data engineering team building CSPOT project, web analytics, data analytics, and data science. I think the data analytics and data science web analytics is start to be a bit merged in some way or form. And I think it comes on, you know, I think because how high it depends on personality and what I think look for people sometimes someone says i want to be data scientist i don't like the title of data analyst it's too simple the reality is it's what your abilities are it's not about the title anymore the difference between data analyst and data scientist in my mind is actually in some ways technology your ability to find insights from the data is going to be critical regardless of what the title is yes spoiler I could not agree more. Yes. yes. I think that's um, like I've seen a few people in, you know, came to the interview and they said, I don't want to do this. And I want a title X because data scientist is cool. And so data analyst is not cool anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, can you get insights from the data? Can you make an impact with your work? It's not about, yes. I honestly don't see, and I think now it's less, but I had a lot of requests that came from some people, even like recruiters or even some other organization who asked me, how do you define data scientists? How do you define data analysts? You see, organization defines it differently, but the reality is the first thing that you would look, regardless of their techniques, is ability to take the data and see the trends and insights. I think technical aspect, a lot of times you can teach. And I think that's not the biggest issue as such. But if you cannot look into the data and find the insights, even the best machine learning algorithm you develop is not going to help you. If you ask me what I think is probably is problematic, I think the most problematic things I've seen so far is when someone's trying to sell a software or a tool saying to you, you don't need to understand how it's working because you can just push a few buttons and it will give you the output and you don't need a lot because it will do for you the work. That's <laughs> that's the biggest problem I've seen so far. Yes, so it's a huge problem because then essentially they're saying, in my words, yeah. don't worry, be dumb. You don't need to know how this works. You don't need to be able to verify results. Just go ahead with it, trust it. And everything's going to be fine because it's all automated. And obviously, like, it's such grounds for such huge errors that can happen as a result. I think it's not just in errors. I think if you develop and you say, oh, here is, this is what was given me. And I'm going to utilize that. But you're not able to explain what the rationale was behind that. Actually, maybe there was an outlier that actually skewed all your results. But because you did not look into the data, because algorithms or any programs, they are good as long as your data is good and your ability to look into the data and decide what you want to include or exclude in there. What was the rationale behind that? Coming into that fairness and ability to look into the data fair is going to be important. How do you make sure it's not biased? How do you make sure that you have not taken a specific data set? Machine cannot do that for you. Programs cannot ever do that for you. That's why you have the data analytics and data science team. Actually make sure that whatever you do is actually makes sense and it's fair. I like the word fair because I know I actually told you that before, but one of the things in my team and the reality is when I interviewed them, I didn't know that. We done some profiling and top of their skills or abilities is fairness. And I was surprised 
initially about it, but then at least actually it makes sense when you look into the data, you have to be fair. You cannot be biased. You cannot think, oh, I'm just going to do that because it will look good. Oh, I will not do that because it's going to look bad. Or if I do that, oh, it means that the result is awesome. You have to be fair. Fair to the data, fair to the result. Make sure you're unbiased in how you look into the data. So I think that's quite important. Without reality, in some way, I'm even interviewing, I'm probably looking into that as well. And I did not realize that till we actually done this test or profiling test. That is so interesting. And it's great that data scientists are thinking about these things, especially as we automate so much decision making. What are you most proud of? I think in the career, most of the proud of is building the teams. I think systems, they will come and go because the reality is whatever you do is going to change with the time. And looking at the data, how much the data field has changed over the 10 years, it's been amazing to see how many things are beautiful things, a lot of great programs that actually helps our life to deliver quickly things. Whatever took us longer or we needed much more people to invest, we can do it sometimes quickly. So I love uh, seeing the fact that I can build teams. That's what I'm proud of. And I think I enjoy the fact that still while, uh, you know, I've been growing into different roles, I think I still like and enjoy to get insights from the data. If you ask me what I do every day in the morning, I usually don't actually open a lot of times my emails. I look into the trends or metrics I want to see first because it's going to be important for me. I think that if my team is going to ask me what do you think about it, I don't think I can provide great insight if I don't look into that every day. My learning isn't if, you know, it's advice I usually give to everyone. First, make sure you look at the data every day because that's what gives me interesting sense. Oh, today there was a drop. Oh, what's the reason behind? It. Why is it happening? Is everything is okay? And I know I have the other alerts and you can look into that. But I think what I enjoy the most is filling the data. I've had um, meetings in coffee catch-up with people that are data scientists, data analysts, and they're wanting to move into management or team leading. And I've had a few say things to me like, they're like, oh, you know, I've done five years, seven years of the technical work. Now I just need to move into management. I'm ready. I'm ready for management. And I was question them like what do you mean what do you think is in management they're like i just need to stop looking at the data i was like to me it's a warning sign how you can it doesn't matter what role you are that's number one what you want to do is look into the data and if you don't look into the data i think it's going to be very hard to be providing any insightful things to your team it never stops. Data is number one that what you have to do is look into the data. And I think that's something that or you have it or you don't have it because um, if you're not interested to look into that data and understand the trends and love that, I think that's going to be very hard. You can never do a good job. Like I heard some people saying to me, you just need to sell. You need to be able to sell well. I think, yes, you need to sell some of the aspects, but still, if you don't understand the data, you don't understand the insights, you don't understand the trends, whatever you sell is going to work maybe in short term, but long term, it's not going to work. How do you make a strategy without understanding what the trends are? Yes. How do you make sure to focus in terms of the data if you don't understand what the data tells you? And I think that's crucial. I think, you know, if you're not doing that, I'm not sure if you're in the right profession. Totally agree. Tell me, how do you think our profession is going to change in the future? I think that 
In the last couple of years, I noticed there is a lot of been automation happening. And think that how CEO teams are still focusing is on consultancy providing insights into what you know data tells. And think that in the next couple of years, I would be probably interesting to see how AI will be combined into the company vision. I love AI and I think that AI machine learning, we also do that here. I think I enjoy that fact and I think it's quite important for us to be innovative. But where is the line is actually is quite tricky because I don't think there has been a definition or there has been a guidelines where is the line, where it stops. And I think every company has their own views about that. So I wonder, you know, it's depending on that, the company, depending on who is in charge of the data and legal teams, and it depends on the company such. How do you make sure that you don't cross the line of that? And I think we will see probably still lots of automation, probably things that new tools that will help us to automate some of our processes. I think that will happen and happen. And I think that other things that will be focused is a lot of people, a lot of organizations it's now talk about data-driven companies and culture. So I think that well, probably we'll see more emphasis in Australia as well. Hopefully, hopefully that will be the case. I've already seen a lot of signs. I think that will still continue to be the trend for the next couple of years. Amazing. I totally, totally agree. I think that's, that's excellent. Sveta, this has been amazing. I only have one last question for you, and that is a takeaway for the listeners. What's something that you would like to leave people with? Something to think about? as they make decisions of their career or something to consider for them going forward? I usually, one of the advice, and recently I gave to one of the person who came and said to me, I said, first, understand what you would like to do because data is broader and broader range. There are different types of things you can do. But B is trying to find a company, do a lot of research about the company where there is a match between two of you. The reason I'm going to say that as a takeaway is because you can be a great in terms of what you do, but there could be mismatch in what the data or strategy is for organization. That's what I would say. Try to, as a takeaway, if you're looking into career change or you're thinking about what you do, is make sure there is a path where you think there is a match between you and the company. I think that's going to be important because uh, otherwise, whatever you do is not going to be helpful if there is not that match. That is awesome. That is an excellent note to end on. Sveta, thank you thank so you much. For thank you for sharing your journey, your insights, your wisdom. It's been an absolute blast. I don't know how to finish up. Thanks so much, Felipe, for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Amazing. Thank, thank you. you. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.